I'll say good evening to you. This is a very special night for us as a congregation as we have the ordination of Samuel to the eldership of this congregation. Before I begin officially and come to the opening hymn, I have two correspondences that I want to read to you. The first one is from the Reverend Garth Wilson. Please send my sincere apologies to the meeting. I am so sorry that I cannot be at this very special and historic night in Sammy's life. He and I have been friends now for a long time, stretching back to university days. I was thrilled to hear of his election to the session in Hebron, and I know that he will be a tremendous asset to the work of God there and in the wider presbytery. He's a true man of God with much wisdom, discernment, and grace, God-given qualities that will be much needed in the days ahead. May God be pleased to richly bless Sammy, Elaine, Aaron, Sarah, and Naomi on this very special night for them as a family and for the church family in Hebron. Yours in Christ, Garth Wilson. The second is from Reverend Joshua Moffat to Samuel, my friend, it begins. I read recently of a little boy that used to come to D.L. Moody's youth meetings over in Chicago. His parents ended up moving to the other side of the city, yet that little boy made the long, arduous walk every Sunday morning to go to the same little meeting. D.L. Moody met with the young man and asked him, why do you come here when there are so many other meetings that are closer by? The boy's response was this, because they love me over here. That little boy recognized something. He recognized that what set these young, your youth meetings apart from every other kind of youth meeting was the Christ-like love of those who led the meeting, the love and compassion that was shown to the young people meant so much. Leah and I counted as a great privilege to have had you as our youth leader, Samuel. One thing that really stands out, not only to us, but to many others who have come through youth fellowship is the constant Christ-like love that you have for all young people. Your passion, compassion, and care of young people continues to be a great encouragement to us. We can say one thing about Hebron uh, Young People's Fellowship, the same thing that the little boy said to Moody, they love you over there. Lee and I rejoice with you and we would like to congratulate you on your election to become an elder. We pray that the Lord would continue to use you, bless you, <coughs> and work through you as he extends his kingdom and builds his ever-victorious church, your friend and brother in Christ, Josh Moffat. Now we're going to open the service by singing together number nine, the hymn with harps and with vials or stands a great throng in the presence of Jesus and sing this new song unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin unto him be the glory forever Amen
bow together in prayer, seek the Lord on this very special night, trusting that the blessing of God will rest upon this congregation and upon all that takes place tonight and upon those who participate in the meeting. Testimony has already been given to the excellent character of Samuel and we think of the qualifications that we preached upon before the election took place and I was just looking at it again before the meeting this evening and a bishop or an elder must then be blameless and that is a good testimony and Samuel has that good testimony and as we go on to the end of the qualifications a good report of them which are without so essential for the eldership of the church. Let's all pray together. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we set ourselves before the presence of God as we seek to bring ourselves to thy feet tonight in worship and adoration and praise. We come through the merit of our Savior. We stand upon redemption ground, our only ground of acceptance with God. And we plead the value, the virtue, and the victory of the blood of Jesus tonight in our approach to thee. And we desire more than anything else for your blessing to be upon this gathering tonight, for your presence to be evident among us, and for your word later on to come with freshness and power to every waiting heart. We thank you for the hymn of testimony. We thank you for the reality of God's redemptive work in all of the lives of God's people that are here. And as we think of our brother Samuel particularly, we can rejoice and sing together unto him who hath loved us and washed us from sin. Unto him be the glory forever. Amen. We know that there was a time when we were sinners and rebels in your sight. But by the grace of God, you have brought us nigh to the Lord through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have made us a priest and a king to him. And we pray, Lord, as Samuel will be ordained to the eldership of this congregation later on this evening in this meeting, that you will bless him, that you will fill him with your spirit, and that you will continue to give to him all the necessary gifts and abilities necessary to discharge the office of the eldership here at Hebron. We thank you for all that he means to us as a congregation, not just as a member of the church, but as a deacon in times past and the youth leader of our congregation. We thank you for his wife and his family and for the good and godly influence that they are in this church. And Father, we pray that you will bless them and bless this people. Uh, may the Lord be honored and glorified and magnified in the days ahead here in this town. As we seek to continue to raise a standard for truth and righteousness and to preach Jesus Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel, we pray for all who take part that your presence will be with them, that your grace will be upon them, that your spirit will infill them. And especially for our moderator <clears throat> as he opens up the book of God later on and preaches the word. Lord, you've given, given him a message for this time. And as he comes, we believe as the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message that you will equip him with everything that he needs to 
preach the word tonight and may it have an impact and an influence upon all who sit here may we give our hearts over to your word and may the lord bless his truth to every waiting heart remember the dear unsaved ones that are among us we thank you for them and their attendance here speak to them also and may they realize even as never before their need of god's salvation and may this be the night even as samuel is ordained as an elder that they will find the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. Continue to remember those who are sick and those who are in sorrow tonight. We've been thinking about them much this day and we commend them to the grace of Almighty God and we pray that you will be their portion in these days. These things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our beloved saviour and thy dear son. Amen. You all have the order of service tonight, so I don't need to get up and down and uh, mention everything that's taking place. So as you look at the order of service, we are going to have now the reading of God's word. And Samuel's brother-in-law, one of the elders in Castle Derg, Thomas Buchanan, is going to read the scriptures of truth. And then we're going to invite the clerk of Presbytery, the Reverend John Greer, minister in Ballymena, to come and do the prescribed questions uh, for the elder-elect. That will be followed by the subscription to the Westminster Confession of Faith by uh, Samuel and the ordination prayer. Our moderator, Reverend Samuel Murray, will lead in that. And then the testimony of Samuel. So I mention them all now, and uh, we can follow the order of service. We do welcome these brethren sincerely in the Lord's great name, and we trust that the Lord will bless them even as they take part. Can I ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 5, first chapter of the book of Galatians, and while you're looking up the place, can I say a word of thanks to your pastor and the session of your congregation for inviting us to take part in this very special service tonight. Galatians chapter 5, we're starting our reading from verse number 1. Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him, that calleth you, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord, that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offence of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. 
For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word this evening. Invite our brother Samuel to come forward, please, to the pulpit. And thank Mr. Park for his words of welcome. I wish to congratulate Samuel on being elected by this congregation to this office. I know the Johnson family very well, some of them in my own church congregation, so it's good to be here tonight to take part in this meeting. And we come now to the time when the prescribed questions for the ordination and installation of elders are going to be put to her brother Samuel. And they are a reminder to the church family here to pray much for him. They are solemn questions, and he knows that. And I know that her brother certainly is aware of the role to which he has been appointed. And I trust the Lord will bless you as you are ordained to this office tonight. Have you the experience of the new birth and do you believe that it is only by the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you can make full proof of your eldership? I have and I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament not merely to contain but to be the verbally inspired word of the living God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. I do. Do you sincerely believe, sorry, receive and believe the Westminster Standards and the Articles of Faith of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? I do. Will you subscribe the said confessions and articles as a confession of your own faith? I will. Are you firmly resolved through divine grace to adhere to the doctrine contained in the said confessions and articles and teach and defend it to the utmost of your power against all error? I am. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and in working for the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account. I do. Will you maintain at all cost a personal reputation and vain worldly popularity, the distinctives of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster, and the three fundamentals of the faith as set out by Dr. Henry Cook, A, the Trinity, B, the vicarious atonement of Christ, C, the necessity of the work of the Spirit, originate faith and repentance in the heart of man. I will. Will you maintain with all the strength God shall give you the position on biblical separation from apostasy as taken by the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster in 1951 at the time of its secession from the Presbyterian Church in Ireland? I will. As God helps you 
will you expose and resist the continued apostasy from Christ manifested within Irish Presbyterianism, Methodism, Episcopalianism, and other visible church bodies, exhorting God's people to obey the teaching and commandment of 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. I will. As God helps you, will you expose and resist the errors of Romanism and all other false religions and the errors of charismatism with all of its counterfeits of the genuine doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I will. Do you affirm and promise to uphold the free Presbyterian Church's position on the free offer of the gospel? I do. Do you believe the Presbyterian government and discipline of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster to be founded on and agreeable to the Word of God? And do you promise to adhere to it and support it and to yield submission and be in subjection to your brethren as is taught in the Word of God? I do. Will you publicly expose and oppose the immorality and social vices of this present evil world, such as drinking, dancing, and gambling, and by example, live righteously, soberly, and godly before all men? I will. Will you maintain the purity of the communion feast and by all scriptural and lawful means resist any attempt to weaken the testimony of the church in her stand for a born-again communicant membership? I will. Do you engage to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all private and personal duties which become you as a Christian and ruling elder as well as on all relative duties and the public duties of your office, endeavouring to adorn the profession of the gospel by your conversation and walking with exemplary piety before the flock over which God shall make you overseer, and are you now willing to take the office of ruling elder in this congregation, promising to discharge the duties of an elder to them <coughs> As God shall give you strength. I do, and I am. Amen. I will now ask the moderator to come forward and oversee the subscription, the rest of the confession, and the ordination. Mr. Samuel Johnston, having answered the prescribed questions, will now sign the following. I believe the Westminster Confession and the Articles of Faith of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster to be founded on and agreeable to the Word of God. And as such, I subscribe them as the confession of my faith. Our brother has been elected by the members of this congregation to serve as an elder. That election, having been sustained by a vote of the presbytery, 
And him having answered the required questions, we now move to his ordination. I'd like to ask at this point if any brethren here are ministers in our presbytery or any brethren are elders in our presbytery, if you'd come forward to the platform and we are going to go down to the platform now with our brother Samuel. I'll just call you to come forward at this time, please. this very solemn time, could I ask the congregation to please stand? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great head and sole king of the church, and by that authority which he has given to the church for its edification, we do ordain and install you, Mr. Samuel Johnston, as an elder of this congregation. And for this purpose, may the blessing of God rest upon you and the Spirit of God fill your heart. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we bow humbly before thee. We realize that thou art God and beside thee there is none else. We acknowledge our own sinfulness. Every one of us, we were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Yet we praise thy holy name that God in love sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to save wretched sinners like us. We rejoice in the glorious gospel of Christ, a message of deliverance, salvation, peace, assurance, and hope. And it's all because of God's amazing grace. And loving Father, tonight, we particularly thank Thee for the salvation of Mr. Samuel Johnston. How glad we are that we are ordaining an elder tonight who has the experience of the new birth. He has acknowledged that. But Lord, not only has he acknowledged it, the folk in this church know he has this experience. They can see by the evidence in his life that he is a born-again Christian. And we thank thee, Lord, that thou hast set him apart for this work in this church. Thou hast enabled him to mature in the faith, to grow in grace, to increase in godliness, to the point where this congregation has trusted our brother to assist in leading them in the work of God and the cause of Christ. And we pray, Lord, from this night on that thou wilt particularly bless him. We pray, Lord, that he will know God's hand upon him, that the folk here in Hebron will know that the Lord has given them a man, a man of God, a man who will serve Christ in this place and this district. Lord, we thank thee for setting him apart. Now bless him. Amen. 
and bless the minister here and the other brethren in the session. Help them to take this work of God forward. We acknowledge, Lord, that it won't go forward without thee. Without the Lord, we can do nothing. But there's nothing impossible with the Lord. Send thy Holy Spirit down upon these folk. And Lord, we pray the same for all of our congregations. The free church needs revival. It needs God to come in mighty power and blessing. Lord, we cannot, we cannot go on without thee. Come down among us. May this night be a blessed night for our brother, for his wife, for the family circle, for the family, the fellowship here in Hebron. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The congregation may be seated. God bless you. evening everyone. Um, there's been too many pictures of me around tonight so far so I'm glad to get rid of those. Um, can I just give um, a short, a few words of thanks at the start um, to the men in the pulpit um, who've been here tonight, our moderator the Reverend Murray, the clerk of Presbytery the Reverend Greer and of course our own pastor the Reverend Park. Thank you very much for being here tonight and others who are have taken part or who will take part in the service. Thank you very much. Um, to those who have taken the time to be here, I know there's some who have traveled a distance. Um, thank you very much. I don't take it for granted. And uh, there's some who have contacted me to say they couldn't make it tonight. I quite understand that. You can't just drop a congregation and leave them on their own to, to come. Um, there's one person who would dearly love to have been here tonight who isn't, and that's my mum. Um, she had a wee trip to hospital in the past week, um, but she's out again, she's recovering, um, but she was told not to be attempting to be here tonight, and uh, she's at home watching, um, which is the best place for her tonight, and uh, we pray that the Lord will raise her up to full health and strength very soon. I've been asked to give uh, a short word of testimony as to how the Lord saved me. I always think my testimony is perhaps not very exciting. Um, but that's a good thing because it's a miracle of God's grace that he can save anyone and especially in the world that we live in it's a miracle that God can save someone at an early age and um, keep them from the things of the world I was brought up in a Christian home my parents were both saved they were active in church life um, we were never asked if we wanted to go to church we were just taken to church and that was the way it was um, if there was a meeting on, we were there. If there was a, a faith mission meeting on up the road, we were there. And uh, we were taught the scriptures at home. We memorized verses from God's word at bedtime. Um, there's a verse in Second Timothy I always think is very 
applicable to my childhood from a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I always knew I needed to be saved in my head. Um, I probably could have preached a very good sermon as a child, but I thought I would be okay. I thought in my head that, well, this getting saved is okay for the big sinners. It's okay for those who are perhaps a murderer or a thief or a blasphemer or a, someone who was a heathen, um, but I'll be okay. I was brought up in a good home and I go to church and that's probably okay for me. And really that's just the, the spirit of the Pharisee, isn't it? I thank God I'm not like other men. And that's what the, the, the Pharisee said in God's word. I didn't want to admit that the verses in God's word about a sinner were about me. And uh, God's word does tell us that all our righteousnesses are just like filthy rags. But even as a child, God's spirit did convict me. And uh, I often prayed that God would keep me safe overnight to give me another opportunity to, to get saved. In many ways, um, not a very wise prayer because God never promises another day, another day of opportunity. But one Sunday night it was different. We'd been at church as usual and um, we came home. We had a visitor in that night. I went off to bed and I, I reached into a bedside locker beside my bed and there was a small tract in it which was called Good News and it just was a simple um, tract which explained the way of salvation. I'd read it before. There was nothing special about it but that night the sinner that was being mentioned in it was me and God spoke to my heart and the Spirit of God impacted upon me that I was the one that needed saved, not someone else. I got out of my bed that night and asked the Lord to save me. And that night I got into bed assured of my salvation. I didn't need to worry about not making it through the night. I knew that I was right with God. And I had a peace that night like never before. Uh, being aged eight, I suppose there wasn't a huge outward change in my life. Um, but God's word says, a new heart I will give you. And uh, the next morning, I told my parents, they were delighted. They counseled me to tell others. And uh, in a small country primary school, that probably wasn't very difficult. Um, it was very easy to be a Christian there. Big school was different. Um, but the Lord helped me to make good Christian friends and uh, those who were saved. And we helped each other through school times. And uh, we started to meet even at lunch times and pray together and, and read God's word together and even witness together to tell others of the Savior. And uh, it taught me the importance of Christian company. And it's something I tell our young people over and over again, just be careful of your company. Those who you make your, your closest friends, make sure they're those who will lead you uh, deeper into your knowledge of the Savior and not lead you away from him. University was spent living away from home, but God provided uh, a room in a house with other Christian uh, chaps, one of whom had sent his apologies tonight, the Reverend Gareth Wilson, and it helped us all to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. It was during that time at university that uh, I suppose Elaine and me met and started to uh, get a wee bit closer together, and uh, here we are now, if we if the Lord spares us to the summer, we'll be 25 years married. And uh, the Lord has been good over that time. The Lord has blessed us with three children.
was going to say three beautiful children, two beautiful girls, and Aaron with the moustache. He's a beautiful, he's a beautiful, ch beautiful child too. And uh, it's good to know that they're saved. It's good to see the, the marks of grace in their life. And uh, we pray that God will use them. I've always had a desire to be active in God's work. And I thank God for the opportunities to serve him here in Hebron, um, both regularly each week and at times abroad. Um, we read in Mark chapter 14 of Mary, who came and she broke the box of ointment and she poured it over the Savior's head. And Christ's testimony of her was that she had done what she could. And I try to live my life, my Christian life, with that same motto. I feel the Lord many, many times each and every day. Yet he is faithful. And out of love for him, I want to serve him as and when I'm able. We came into membership here in Hebron about 15 years ago. Um, we immediately felt at home among God's people here. And uh, it's been a privilege to, to serve uh, on the committee. The responsibility of this new role is not something I take lightly. Um, Elaine tells me on the night of the election when my name was read out that I sighed loudly. Um, I, I, I apologize for that, but I, I, I don't really remember that, but I suppose it was some sort of a subconscious reaction to the, the weight of the responsibility that comes with the role. But I'm thankful that this is a praying church, and it's a church that I know prays for the leadership here, and I ask that you will pray for me. I feel very inadequate for the role. Um, I have a lot to learn, and no doubt I will make mistakes, um, but God has specifically chosen the week that all the glory would go to him. Remember all the leadership of the church here in prayer. One thing I have been rebuked about myself is that my lack of prayer for the elders up until now, um, I think whenever I realized that that was where I was heading, um, I realized how much prayer an elder really does need. Perhaps there's someone here unsaved. Perhaps you're just like I was. Um, you know the gospel in your head. If you, if you attend this church, you will know the gospel. Um, but you might think, well, that's only for a big sinner. Remember the words that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the Pharisee, the one who knew the scriptures, the one who was trying his best to live by the, the law of God and keep those commandments. But Jesus said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I pray that tonight you will come and trust the Savior to be your Savior. Amen. Thank you, Samuel. May the Lord bless you. You have served well, served the Lord well in this church as a member, um, as a member of the, the committee and as our church secretary and our youth leader. And we hold you in high esteem here. And so we rejoice with you tonight as you are ordained as an elder of this church and especially our young people. And it's good to see uh, family members, good to see your dad here and we've been praying for your mother as well and we trust the Lord will bring her to a speedy recovery. We bid you welcome just before we, we sing a hymn, have the offering, want to welcome you in the Saviour's name, uh, friends that are here, people that are here because of the ordination tonight, we're especially glad to have you. Reverend Joshua Moffat couldn't make it, but he sent his wife and his children to represent him tonight, and others are here. Thank you for coming. Supper will be served. We want you to uh, stay and enjoy a time of fellowship, the one with the other, and spend a little time with Samuel as well. 
Very, very quickly, I want to run through some of the announcements. There's no Hebron Tots tomorrow morning due to the half term. There is a session meeting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Tuesday night is Youth Challenge at 7. Thursday night, our midweek service as we gather for prayer, Bible study, and fellowship. And we will be thinking particularly about our children's mission ministry on Thursday night. Friday, our young people will be traveling to the Martyrs for the Youth Council 50th anniversary. And the bustles will be leaving from here at a quarter to seven. So continue to share the invitation that the Youth Council has put out. Saturday morning is the open air in the center of the town. Next Lord's Day begins with prayer at eight o'clock, Sunday school at 10.30, and the Bible class at 10.45. And there's a special speaker next Lord's Day in the absence of one of our uh, Bible class leaders. <coughs> Pardon me, Lewis McCauley will be there to minister the word and uh, the young people are looking forward to that. Worship service, 12 o'clock, gospel meeting at seven. And looking ahead to special meetings in Lisbon, we pray for the meetings organized by the mission board celebrating 50 years. Don't need to go into the detail because I think you're well furnished with that now. Do want to mention he's here tonight, Jonathan Story. Jonathan's one of our own. I have been his pastor for most of his life until he got married and he moved just a couple of years ago to Lisbon. But he will be ordained to the Christian ministry and installed as the minister of Mount Marion on Friday the 8th of March. And that meeting will be in Martyrs Memorial. And we will be traveling there in the will of God. Want to encourage as many of you to go from our own congregation. These are all the announcements to make. We're going to sing 324. I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger and felt not my load. The friend spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree. Jehovah said, Can you was nothing to me? But remain seated for the opening part of the hymn, and the offering for God's work will be received.
time you see this. I want to thank our Presbytery officers for being here tonight, the Reverend Greer from Ballymena, and behind me our moderator, who is the minister in Portobogie. And he's going to come now and bring the charge to our brother Samuel and to the congregation. And as soon as he finishes preaching, our clerk of session, Phil Moffat, will give a welcome to Samuel. Thank you. Would you please turn with me in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And as you find the place in God's Word, I want to thank the Reverend Park for the kind words of welcome. It is an honor to be here, and I trust the Lord will bless us around his Word. I'd like to congratulate our brother Samuel on his ordination to the eldership here in Hebron, and we trust that he'll know God's rich blessing as he contributes to the work of the oversight here. May the Lord richly bless him and all the brethren who serve with him. It's an honor to be here, to be back again in Hebron. I couldn't help but think as I sat up here that you have added a young man to your session, and that's good. But I had an experience some time ago, it must be around 10 years ago, of sitting behind one of your elders. He may have forgotten it, but I haven't. And I believe it's good to pay tribute to whom tribute is due, and honor to whom honor. It was a special occasion in Tandragee when I was the minister there. It was the annual prize giving in the junior high school. I was one of the guests on the platform that night because I was going in every month to take assemblies. But on that platform, there were the who's who of North Armagh society. Top brass in the police, top brass in education. You know what these occasions are like? It was top brass. I don't know why I was there, but I was on the platform too. But one of your elders, Mr. Mervyn Story, came to address that gathering. And I sat behind, and I must be honest with you, when he started I started to pray, and I didn't stop praying until he stopped speaking. And in front of all those children and all those parents and everybody on that platform, your elder preached. I don't think they thought he was there to preach, but he didn't miss his opportunity to exalt the Lord and tell the people why he was there and what God had done in his life. I went home. And I told my wife, I'm proud of Mervyn's story because of what he said that night. It took a lot of courage, but it was lovely just to sit there and hear one of your elders exalt the Lord. And basically, it was like a gospel sermon. And I was very, very proud of him. So it's lovely to be here. And now you've got another elder. May God bless you all. Let me read to you two verses here and then we'll pray. Verses 13 and 14, Galatians chapter 5. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. 
For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to thee once again in prayer. We're glad we can always come to the throne of heavenly grace. We're glad that Christ is always interceding on our behalf. We're glad that God the Father is interested in this meeting in Hebron. We pray now that as we turn to the word of God, that thou wilt remember us, remember me, remember the congregation. Speak to us through this word. We pray in the Savior's great name. Amen. Amen. This chapter commences with a contrast. Paul speaks of liberty and freedom. That sounds good. But he also speaks of entanglement and being ensnared. Look at verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the liberty spoken of is freedom from the Jewish rites and ceremonies. It's called the yoke of bondage here. And, of course, the liberty from the power and guilt of sin. Only the grace of Christ can set us free and give us this liberty. You see, we were not born free. We were born enslaved to sin, all of us, born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Slaves to sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. However, Christ sets sinners free. Christ gives sinners liberty. And Paul is teaching this, and he's teaching that the Christians in Galatia and the Christians today are to stand fast in the liberty of Christ's gospel. Unfortunately, there were some believers in Galatia who did not stand fast. They were to do that, but they didn't all do it. It says in verse 7, ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that ye should not obey the truth. In this verse, Paul compares the Galatians' life of faith to a race. It's a race in which they all started out well, all looked very promising. It was a case of just keep going, and as long as there are no injuries, you'll be able to keep going. If they did this, they would run the race well and finish well. And this is the picture of how Christians in Galatia had received the gospel message of faith and were living that message, running the race. You've started out, keep running. But folks, in any race, you can be hindered. The runner may suffer an injury, and the runner is hindered. The runner might be impeded by another competitor. Now, those of you who are around my age and belong to my generation You'll probably remember 1984, the Los Angeles Olympic Games. It was the 3,000 meters final, the ladies' race. Mary Decker was the great champion from the United States of America. She was expected to walk that race, but she was running against a young Zola Bud. Maybe you remember the young girl that ran with no trainers. She was a great runner as well. Came to the final. What tension there was in that arena. And Mary Decker and Zola Bud tangled. If you can recall, there was a gasp in the stadium 
as Decker went down. Zola Budd was able to gather herself and continue and finish the race. I think she finished about seventh, which is expected to do much better. But you see, they tangled. One was hindered, and one went down. That can happen. There were Christians here in this race, and they were hindered. They were turned back. Why? Because there were those who emphasized the law of Moses, the works of the law, and they were teaching you had to adhere to the ceremonial law in order to be saved. They sought to turn the believers away from faith alone in Christ alone for salvation. You know, if the devil can't stop you becoming a Christian, then when you become a Christian, he'll want to hinder you in living out your Christian life for the Lord. He will do that. The Greek word for hinder here means to beat back. So remember, the devil wants to beat you back. He doesn't want you to run the race and stay true to Christ. He'll do his best to keep you from finishing well. The Lord Jesus Christ has given elders to the church. And one of their duties is to protect the church from those who would hinder them and beat them back. Protect the church from false doctrine. Make sure that false doctrine does not creep into Christ's church. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The word for overseer there is superintend, and the Lord has given you a session in this church, and the Lord has added to the session tonight, given you someone to superintend, to protect the church against false doctrine and those who would impose that upon God's people. It says in verse 9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Folks, where there is a little leaven, or we'll call it a slight tendency to conform to the rites and the customs, this can soon take over. It can. So we need to be careful where there's a slight tendency to forsake God, turn back, the old devil moves in, wants to encourage you, well, just forsake the Lord. You don't have to be so enthusiastic about following Christ. The devil is there to hinder a little leaven can do a lot of damage. And Paul says in verse 12, concerning those who were sowing the seeds of false doctrine and turning the people away from Christ alone, Paul says in verse 12, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. That's a strong statement. Paul is saying that anyone who had any part in dragging God's people back into the world or back into error or back into false doctrine, he's saying they should be amputated or cut off from the fellowship. That's strong. Why does he say that? Well, he knows that unless they are cut off, they will continue to create havoc in the church. Paul knows that. He did not say what he said out of hatred for these individuals. No, but out of concern for the glory of God and for the good people in the church. He didn't want them ruined and dragged down by those who were teaching falsehood. You know, in any age in which 
The Lord's work has gone on. There's always been those who've tried to pull the church back from the truth. Pull the church back. Hinder the church to bring in false doctrine. And we need to be careful. We need to adhere to the word of God. Stand firm upon our founding principles. Tonight I want to show you in the words of our text, verses 13 and 14, where we need to stand, what we need to do as Christians, and what we need to be careful about. I'd like to talk to you first of all about God's call in verse 13. The call of God. Look at verse 13. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Now here we, we know, obviously, that Paul is addressing the Christians in the church at Galatia. He calls them brethren. Now don't miss the point that he makes here. The Christians in Galatia had been called unto liberty. Now the Greek for call here is the word kalio. It means to be bidden. Quite a strong word. It's not just a wee simple call, come for your dinner. Not that sort of call. Oh, no, no. Much stronger than that. Bidden to come. That's the call of God. The same word there is used in Matthew 9 and 13 where it says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now that indicates how strong this word call really is. We have been called and called to repentance. You know, a sinner can't be saved until the Lord calls that person to repent. The call of God must precede faith and repentance. We teach the children the shorter catechism. Question 31 asks, what is effectual calling? What is this call of God, this powerful call by which he calls sinners to become Christians? What is this effectual call? The answer is a wonderful answer. I suppose all of the answers in the catechism are wonderful, that's for sure. But the answer is this. Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit. What a starting point. It starts with the Lord. It's the work of God's Spirit whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ and renewing our wills, he doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. You see, the call of God to the sinner is a powerful call. It's the work of God, the Holy Spirit, convincing us that we are sinners and enlightening our minds to the fact that only Christ can save sinners. That call is so powerful. But then God, the Holy Spirit, persuades us and enables us to come to Christ. Saved people have been called in such a manner. Without the call of God, the sinner will not come to Christ. It's a privilege to hear that call. If you're not saved and God is calling you, do not despise that call. Do not reject that call. Do not harden your heart against that call. Why? Because the Bible warns, my spirit shall not always strive with man. When God is calling, you listen. When God is calling, you obey. 
Years ago, there had been young people going around various meetings, youth fellowship, etc. I can remember there was a hymn that was very popular at that time. It was a gospel hymn. I haven't heard it for a long time. But it, it really made a big impression on me as a young person in the youth fellowship. I'd like to read to you those words. It's about the call of God. The hymn goes like this. Someday you'll hear God's final call to you to take his offer of salvation through. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew God's final call. God's final call. How can you live another day in sin thinking someday with Christ you will begin? Oh, will you hear above the world's loud din God's final call, God's final call? If you reject God's final call of grace, you'll have no chance your footsteps to retrace. All hope will then be gone, and doom you'll face. Oh, hear his call. Oh, hear his call. Friends, when you hear God's call to salvation, heed God's call to salvation. Heed it. Don't ignore it call of God, the call to salvation, is also, according to this verse, a call unto liberty. That's interesting. It's a call unto liberty. Liberty here means freedom. And the same Greek word for liberty there is used in Galatians 2 and verse 4, where it says, our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. What a lovely, lovely line of Scripture. The liberty which we have in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing liberty. It means we're free from the law. Oh, happy condition. The false teachers were saying that adherence to the law was necessary for salvation. They were teaching that the external ceremonial regulations had to be adhered to as a way of living. If you want to be saved, you've got to do all of these things. That's what they were teaching. They were teaching that the curse of the law could only be removed by adherence to the law. Do you know what they misunderstood? By the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. They hadn't fully grasped that. We need to grasp that. The Lord Jesus Christ bore that curse of the law for you and me when he died on the cross. He did. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, these false teachers were seeking to destroy the liberty that the believers had in Christ. How sad. The Christians were free from the servitude of sin and from subjection to these ceremonial laws, these burdensome rites, but the Judaizers wanted to lead them back, that they wouldn't enjoy the liberty they had in Christ. They wanted them to be imprisoned once again. I think of Joseph. Joseph was looking forward to freedom when he was in the prison in Egypt, wasn't he? He was indeed. He was looking forward to it when he said to the chief butler, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. How disappointing when the chief butler forgot about him and left him to languish in the prison. He was looking forward to getting out. And when he got out, 
What was the last thing he wanted to do? To go back in. No prisoner wants to go back into prison. They want to enjoy the liberty that they now have. And as believers, we don't want to go back into the prison house of ceremonial laws or back into sin. We want to backslide. Away from the Lord, we want to enjoy the liberty that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior spoke on the Sabbath day in Nazareth, and he said that he came to set the prisoners free. Are you free from sin? Do you say, I've been set free? I'm enjoying the liberty of the gospel. I'm saved. God's call delivers the captives from the prison house of sin. It's also a call to service. Whenever we are saved, we're all called to serve. That's the call of God. It's just not a call to salvation. That's the first step. We praise God for that. But it's a call to service as well. That's the continuing in the life of faith. Are you serving? Or has the world got too big a grip on you? Holding you back? An elder is someone with a very unique service in the church of Jesus Christ. God has given you another elder tonight. I want the church in Hebron to remember this. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. You have felt led of God to elect our brother Samuel. And now that you have done that, and the presbytery has ordained and installed him, he is to be counted worthy of double honor. He presides over and rules over the church along with his brethren on the session. He is not simply a figurehead. You have called him to rule. I encourage you to take that to heart. Remember that in the days that lie ahead. And give due honor and reverence to God's child. God's call to salvation, to liberty, to service. Second thing here is the corrupting of God's call. One thing to have this call, but the corrupting of it. Because it says in verse 13, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. You're not to use this liberty in this way. Now, we have been called unto liberty, but this liberty must not be used as an occasion or an opportunity to behave in a sinful or carnal manner. Save people, people must never willingly follow the sinful inclinations of the flesh. We are not to do that. Our liberty in Christ does not give us license to sin freely without consequence. It doesn't. Put very simply, the freedom that we have in Christ is not a license to sin. It's not. First Peter 2.16 says this, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Don't use that liberty as some sort of an excuse to sin. Oh, I'm saved. I can do it and get away with it. 
That is not the will of God. Instead, this freedom is that which drives us on to holiness. If you really understand the liberty you have in Christ tonight, that will drive you on to live a more holy life. How do I know that? Well, the Bible teaches that. Romans 6 and 18, being then made free from sin, right? That's the liberty we have in Christ, made free from sin. What happens? Ye became the servants of righteousness. Do you see that? Our righteous Savior says to us, you have become the servant of righteousness. Righteousness. Having spoken of the call to liberty, it is vital that the next line is included, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We're not to do that. The Lord does not want his people to misunderstand their calling in Christ. He does not want us to descend into the errors of antinomianism. Now, the term antinomianism comes from the Greek words anti, which means against, and nomos, which means the law. Antinomians reject the teaching that the moral law of God applies to New Testament believers. They argue that the believer can sin with impunity because the grace of God superabounds over his sin. You've all heard people say with a smug grin in their face, oh, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Arguing, oh, I can sort of do what I like. Sin, if I like, because I'm under grace. That's the way the antinomians talk, against the law of God. And typically then, what will an antinomian do? Well, generally they'll not keep the Lord's day. They see nothing wrong with going out to the shops on the Lord's day, going out for meals, participating in recreation on the Lord's day. Why is that? Oh, because remembering the Sabbath day doesn't apply to me. Not under the law, under grace. That's the way an antinomian thinks. An antinomian will possibly be dishonest in declaring his earnings to HMRC because he's not too bothered about the eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Oh, that's not stealing. Of course it is. But the antinomian will say, oh, it's not stealing. He doesn't see false tax returns as a problem because he doesn't feel bound by the ninth commandment, which forbids a false witness. See what I'm saying? There are those who will use their liberty as an occasion for the flesh some sort of warped excuse for disobeying God, and disobeying the moral law. We are called to liberty, but we are called to keep the law of God. We are called to keep it. Our Savior kept it perfectly for us, didn't he? Oh, he did. He never sinned. His honesty, his integrity, his perfection, Everything about him was glorious and perfectly free from sin. And what does he say to his followers? Be ye holy, for I am holy. Follow me. I have saved you. I will keep you. Follow me. And following him means striving 
to obey the word of God and live a holy, godly life. And not to corrupt God's call. Not to use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. What a calling. To follow him and to obey him and to seek to emulate him. Another wee chorus from my day back in the youth fellowship was to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. Antinomians can't sing that. They have no intention of obeying him. I would exhort you to obey him. God's call, the corrupting of God's call, and finally, the complying with God's call, because here's how to really comply with it. Look at verses 13 towards the end and verse 14. The end of verse 13, it says, But by love serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And here's how we comply with the call of God. Christian freedom is not to be used for selfish fulfillment. It's not. Some people think it is. It's not. But Christian freedom that we have in Christ, that liberty that we have in the gospel, it's to be used to lovingly serve Christ and other people. That's what we are called to do. I am, the ministerial brethren here, the elders, every believer in this congregation, we are called to lovingly serve. Lovingly serve. Isn't it interesting that in this verse, where we are told not to use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, Paul makes a statement that has its foundation in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth commandments. The apostle here alludes to the law in regard to our duty to our fellow men. If we've got it right, if we love Christ the way we ought to, we serve the way we ought to, then by the life we live, we will serve other people. We'll not think that that's below us or beneath us. It's our calling in Christ to serve other people. One of the greatest evidences that we are saved and walking with God is the fact that we love other believers. That's what it is to obey the law of God. John 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. The Savior says, I have loved you. He went to the cross and he died in atoning death for us. What love? And we're to love him and others in the same way. You see, this love is sacrificial love. Our love is proven by the sacrifices we make, not by the statements we make. Anybody can say, I love you. I mean, men who are abusive towards their wives, they'll say, oh, I love you. Well, you know I love you. And then they use physical violence. Well, we all know they don't love them. If they did, they wouldn't do that. Is that right? But the man that'll make sacrifices for his wife and the man that'll put her first and the man that will make sure that she is safe and well and her needs are provided for. And he loves her in Christ. That man can stand up every day of the week and say, I love my wife. 
because there's proof there that he does. It's seen in the works. Brethren and sisters, we are called unto liberty. We're not to use it as an occasion for the flesh, but to go out into this world and show, I know Christ. I love him. And I love this world. And I'll do all I can to reach this world for Christ. Brother Samuel, I say to you in conclusion, I know you love the Lord. I know you love this church. Love the people in it. Love the work of God all the days of your life. Say to the congregation, love the Lord. Love the work of God. Put it first all the days of your life. God will richly bless you. As a presbytery, we rejoice with you in Hebron. We're delighted. We're thrilled that you've got a new elder. God richly bless this whole church and set you on fire with Calvary love. A love that says, I love the Savior and anything that would grieve him, I have no time for. I'm going to love him and walk in obedience to the moral law of God as best I can. I want to have a testimony. May God bless every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. The clerk of session, Mr. Moffat, is going to come and address you now. Thank you, brother. Well, it's my great honour, privilege and pleasure this evening to officially welcome Samuel onto the Kirk session of Hebron Free Presbyterian Church. As a session, we are delighted that God in his unscrutable counsel and in his wisdom has foreordained that you, Samuel, should be chosen to serve alongside your brethren here who have been elected under God to the same office. You will be joining session members who have a sincere love and veneration for the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren who want to see the gospel advanced in this town. Brethren who have a zeal for God and a burden for those who are outside of Christ. And I can honestly say, brethren who are united and behind this work, brethren who consistently bathe this people and this assembly in prayer. We look forward in anticipation to experiencing your wise and learned counsel along with your prayerful support together as we uphold the work of God here before the throne of grace. When the moderator of our session, the Reverend Park, asked me to say a few words at this ordination service, three thoughts immediately came into my mind, words which I believe fully encapsulate the office to which you, Samuel, 
have been called. Suitability, responsibility, and accountability. Samuel and Elaine first joined Hebron here, as we have heard earlier on in the service some 15 years ago with their three children, Aaron, Sarah, and in those days, we, Naomi. From the very earliest stages of their days with us, it was most evident that the Johnson home was indeed a household of faith, where the word of God and where the God of the word was given his rightful place. They settled into the work very quickly here and became actively involved in all aspects of church life. Over these past 15 years, as a congregation, we have witnessed with interest your enthusiasm, your passion, and your business burden for the work and witness of the Lord here in this fellowship. Evidence of such love for the Lord was conveyed by this congregation when you were elected to the office of deacons some 10 years ago. As office bearers, your brethren placed further confidence in you, Samuel, by nominating you to serve as church secretary for this fellowship, an office that you have fulfilled with great earnestness and in great integrity. Further confidence was extended by the Kirk session in your ability when we unanimously decided that you should occupy the post of youth leader, placing our young people under your supervision, under your guidance, and under your watchful care. As a congregation, we thank you for your labor of love in assisting the media team along with the material which you provide on a weekly basis for our social media platforms. Along with this, Samuel and Elaine, our Sabbath school teachers, have a love not only for the young people of this congregation, but also for the children as well. Perhaps came as no surprise then when this congregation were asked to prayerfully consider the suitability of men for the office of church elder, that this fellowship once again placed their faith, their trust, and their confidence in you. Suitability. What about responsibility? Having now been elected and ordained to this high and holy office, I'm sure it will come as no surprise to you, Samuel, to know that there is great responsibility which is associated to the office of the elder. You will now join your brethren on the session as we uphold both the old and the young here in prayer. The saved 
and the lost of this fellowship. And as we come alongside our people in order to encourage them and support them and endeavor to strengthen them in their walk of faith, you'll be responsible for bearing this fellowship up and all of its needs before the throne of grace in prayer. Responsible under God for consistently remembering the under-shepherd, the Reverend Park, on a daily basis at the throne of grace in prayer. Responsible for going the extra mile for those who have been placed under your charge. Responsible for representing this fellowship month by month at our annual General Presbytery. Suitability, this congregation ticked the box for you. Responsibility, they ticked the box again. But Samuel, there is also accountability. As a ruling elder of this fellowship, I'm sure that you are well aware that your office extends far beyond the walls of this sanctuary. As brethren elected and ordained to this office, we are all to be accountable before the God of heaven. As to our devotion to Christ, in relation to our dedication to the office that we have been elected to, our discipline and the discretion which we should exhibit within this office, and our determination at all times to go through with God. Your election to this office, Samuel, assures us that our session will be further enriched by your wisdom and by your counsel, and of that we have no doubt. Your first meeting as a ruling elder will be tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. Don't be late, brother. Let's never forget that this congregation, under God, considers you to be suitable, responsible, and accountable. And we therefore welcome you in the Lord's great name to the Kirk session. We pray the ironic blessing upon you. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Samuel, well done from the brethren on the session. Thank you, Phil, for those uh, words of welcome to Samuel and your brethren reiterate them and say amen to them and thank you to the moderator for his message tonight may the lord help us to lay it to heart we're going to close uh, the meeting as we sing together 739 it's from that section of the hymn book that deals with ordination and installation and there's a prayer that we want to sing and pray before the lord tonight 
Father of mercies, condescend to hear our fervent prayer, while this, our brother, we commend to thy paternal care. And as soon as we finish singing, we're going to ask Jonathan's story to come and close in prayer. loving God and our Father in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for this service. We thank you, Lord, for our brother Samuel. We thank you, Lord, that for his testimony in this church. We thank you for his testimony in this local area. And we thank you, Lord, that he loves the Savior. We thank you, Lord, for what we have heard of tonight, of the liberty that we enjoy in Christ, of the love that we receive from Christ. And Lord, I pray that that would be the testimony of our brother Samuel, that he would show forth the love of Christ that he would be an example, a signpost, Lord, to those around him as to what one who follows Christ should be. And Lord, we do pray that you would be with this church, be with the session, be with this congregation, Lord. And we do pray that if there is any in here tonight that is outside of Christ, Lord, in hearing the message tonight about the liberty we can enjoy in Christ, Lord, that they would come to know him, him to know his life eternal. Lord, we thank you for our brother and bless him. Give him wisdom in the days ahead and lead him and guide him in thy service. And Lord, we do pray that you would bless the good things that have been, been provided for us as well. And may everything that we do tonight honor and magnify the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And may you take us all home in safety. For we ask all of these things in the precious name of Christ. 
You do remember Jonathan and as he goes to Mount Marion, that the Lord will bless him there. Supper will be served now by the ladies of the church. And we just thank you for joining us here tonight. And we trust that you'll pray for the testimony here in Bannamon. I'm going to ask Samuel to go to the door. And I'll go down.